Welcome to the Daily Gator Daily Thought. If you're left, you just ain't right podcast with me, Doug Hagan, who runs the DailyGator.net, uh, along with Ed Daily. Folks, Roe v. Wade has been overturned. That's the big uh, big headline that's uh, making news. And really, in in the real world, in reality, uh, all this really means is that something that was wrong by a, by a previous Supreme Court has been corrected by a, a Supreme Court dominated by adults. And no, I'm not counting you, Stephen Breyer, or Sotomayor, or Kagan. I'm not including you. Um, I'm not sure. I think it was a 5-4 decision or a 6-3. I can't seem to find that anywhere. Uh, but anyway... The adults on the court have simply stated, Alito put it perfectly. Uh, Alito said, if I can find the comments, <coughs> uh, here it is. Justice Alito said, we end this opinion where we began. Abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion." Uh, Rowan Casey arrogated that authority. Um, we now overrule those decisions or turn that authority to the people and their elected representatives. And that's perfectly said, frankly. That's exactly what happened. It's not mentioned in the Constitution. I mean, you, you can read the Constitution and say, yeah, this new law in Nebraska that, that bans uh you know, people people uh, having a blog or writing down opinions is is clearly a violation of the First Amendment. This is something that the states are supposed to be deciding. Okay, Nebraska and Connecticut and Alaska and Idaho and Alabama and Iowa—they can all do different things with abortion. I'm not talking morally; I'm talking legally, because as you know, I am pro-life. But it has to be noted that this simply sends the decisions to the states where it always should have been. Roe v. Wade was bad decision because it took power away from the states. It was clear to the states and gave it to the federal government by inventing a right uh, to an abortion. So it's going to go to the states. You're going to go. Uh, you're going to have some states uh, that are going to. It's going to be abortion, abortion on demand, and abortion holidays, and uh, you're going to have some decisions, or some states rather, uh, that are going to say no, you can't do that here. Uh, and again, that's pretty pretty much it. It's not that complicated. Of course, you get the agitators in. Me personally, I wrote this on the blog this morning. If you want to go to a protest, I would stay away from protests for uh, where pro-choice people are going to be. Not that most of them would get violent, but the violence that, uh, what is the group, uh, Jane's Revenge, they've attacked several what they call fake clinics. To Jane's Revenge, the radicals and the Marxists in that group, if you don't perform abortions at your clinic or don't refer to abortions, uh, refer patients, mothers to abortions, then you're not a real clinic. If you just give aid and advice and everything else, uh, medical care to women who are pregnant, 
and maybe women who choose your clinic because you're a pro-life clinic. Those people aren't about choice. They're very dangerous people. There are some people on the left who are indeed dangerous. Don't forget that. Personally, I would avoid most areas where there's going to be a big protest because the chance for violence is, is well, is very clear to me. Because again, this group, James Revenge, has showed how radical they are. And they've demanded that pro-life clinics be shut down. They've got a list of demands. Little wannabe terrorists. Little wannabe Al-Qaeda. Uh, so be careful, folks. And remember, this doesn't codify abortion. It doesn't ban it across the country. It leaves it to the states. So that's the fact about uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned. It was a bad court decision. It was a bad law. It's gone. Good. The left will freak out. They'll have all kind of doomsday scenarios uh, while they're worshiping at the altar of uh, unborn babies, uh, which they apparently have a, a real penchant for wanting to kill for some reason. But there you go, my friends. <clears throat> And yes, there will be some states that will allow abortion until a certain time. And the media is going to get, get as much hot air into this as they can. They're going to pump up emotions. Just be careful. Just remember, some protests you probably should stay away from. If you live near a pro-life clinic or a clinic that even offers any pro-life counseling, I would be wary. I would be careful. That's the reality, the ugly reality we're in. Now, enough about that. Uh, let's look at a story from MSN.com. I believe CBS News had the story originally. Uh, a 20-year-old uh, kid, I know 20 is an adult to me, 20 is a kid, uh, but a young man, 20, Stone Fultz, uh, died during a, uh, during a hazing incident at at Bowling Green State University. Uh, again, a fraternity hazing. I don't like fraternities. There's, I don't like sororities. There's something very pretentious and douchey to me about them. I may be totally unfair in saying that, but I'm just my perception of them, pain in the butt. Uh, but, uh, but this young man died. His family is now suing uh, Bowling Green State University because they allege the college turned a, quote, blind eye to hazing incidents on its campus while actively promoting that students uh, like folks join Greek life. In other words, they're kind of pushing you into frats uh, and I guess sororities too. Uh, but these types of things happen and they shouldn't. And a lot of it is due to ignorance. You know, people don't don't perceive that you can get so drunk and just so much alcohol you can die. They don't get it. Uh, you know, being a bartender so long and being in this restaurant business so long, uh, you know, I get it. You drink enough and you pass out, and oh, that's funny. He'll he'll uh, he or she will will be fine and all that. But you can drink so much that you pass away. Okay, because alcohol is a depressant. And I mean by depressant, it will eventually, if you get enough, shut down your breathing to the point you will not live. And this kid probably had no idea. 
his his uh, uh, fraternity brothers or potential fraternity probably had no idea. Uh, he drank a liter of whiskey, apparently a liter. That's a standard size bottle. If you go to a bar and sit down and you know, order a gin and tonic, let's say the Tangray bottle is typically going to be a liter. That's uh, just north of a quart. You drink a quart of 80 proof alcohol, which most whiskey is. Yeah, you're going to die unless you receive very, very uh, quick medical attention. This kid was in a coma three days. I get fraternities. I get part of it. I've never liked them that much as I said. But for God's sake, you know, make them, make them be uh, the servant of a couple of fraternity members. Do their shop and take their laundry. Do this, whatever, things like that. But uh, this forced drinking and, and pushing people to drink more and more and more. Remember, it can literally kill you. And guess what? If you're in that frat and you're one of the ones pushing them, things may not end well for you either. And that goes beyond having to uh, live with the actions you took. <clears throat> Remember that, my friends. <coughs> Pardon me. Let's go to Oregon, where Bigfoot lives. So I've been told. Here's a story from Fox News. Oregon teachers at the Arrow Hassel Elementary School sent school administrators an email claiming that you're ready. You know, it's the latest outrage, my friends. Everybody's outraged over this. You're not outraged over this, too. You should be. It's apparently eye-rolling now is out of control and a plague upon society. How will we ever survive the eye-rolling fiasco of 2022? But eye-rolling directed at a principal, among other alleged actions they observed, is an example of harmful practice rooted in white supremacy. Uh, I, I confess, I am a, I am, I, 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 I rule a lot with writing the things I write, reading the stories I, I read sometimes. It's like, good God, what is wrong with you people? So I, I rule a lot. That and I tend to have eyes that have allergy issues and sometimes it looks like I'm rolling my eyes when I'm actually not, uh, but apparently eye rolling now is now a scourge at this elementary school in the formerly great state of, uh, well, the Marxist utopia of Oregon as it has become. And it's a fault, like everything else, of white supremacy. It's like other supremacies, but whiter. The educators from the Beaverton School District said in an email on May 27th that they had become aware <clears throat> Of a rumor called rumor awareness, I think. That principal, Cynthia Lamb Moffat, was on the chopping block. We believe that much of the resistance to Principal Moffat's work is a result of bias and targeted aggression. As BIPOC educators, that is, uh, again, minorities the victimized, the eternally victimized in America. Uh, biracial people of color, I think is what it stands for. 
Uh, but BIPOC educators, we have observed, they say, experience and witness similar micro and macro aggressions. Macro aggressions. I don't know if they saw it. They saw micro and macro aggressions. I don't know if they saw any macaroni and cheese aggressions. Probably that too. I don't know. Uh, the email said BIPOC stands for black. I got it wrong. I'm sorry. I screwed up. BIPOC stands for black, indigenous, and people of color. In other words, everybody but white people. You damn white honky bastards. Uh, the teachers included an extensive list of micro and macro aggressions. Many of them were concerning the staff's response to the principal. It said staff members roll their eyes during meetings while Principal Moffat is speaking. Well, maybe Principal Moffat is a moron. Maybe it should be Principal Moron, not Principal Moffat. Maybe she's completely out to lunch and maybe she's a leftist fruitcake, nutcake, take your pick. Who says absolutely asinine things that normally intelligent, functioning people will identify as stupid and idiotic. And, of course, will immediately, immediately, many of them roll their eyes. It's kind of a natural reaction to something that's so incredibly stupid. It's like the facepalm. It just happens. You can't help it. Your hand, generally your right hand, goes to your forehead and you just shake your head and you probably roll your eyes. So I would call that a macroaggression. If you're doing the face palm and rolling your eyes, palm rolling, I think they call. But <laughs> I just made that up. Are not creative. But anyway, that's where we're at, folks. Every little thing, if you mock a leftist, you joke about a leftist, you do anything about leftism, they're going to come after you. <clears throat> Staff raised their voice, interrupted Principal Moffat during meetings and spoke in a disrespectful and aggressive manner. Again, I wasn't there. I don't know. Maybe they're assholes. Maybe Principal Moffat's a moron. I don't know. Maybe it's both. You know, just because one side's a moron doesn't mean the other sides can't be assholes. Let's be fair, people. Uh, the list also mentioned aggressive emails. Aggressive emails. Hmm. And behaviors over the school radio towards BIPOC staff. I love how they throw these these terms around that mean nothing. They're, they're accusatory in their nature, how they sound, but there's never any meat on that bone. It's all, they just randomly throw things out there. It's, uh, I guess, suggestion by accusation or something. They just bombard you with accusations, and even if you did nothing wrong, still, we had these accusations. That's not good. Uh, and said that they were being ignored and bothered. The teacher said that racial slurs were directed at Principal Moffat by a staff member. And that white staff called a group of BIPOC staff a gang. Well, shut down the freeway, shut the front door, and let's cancel everything the rest of the year. Someone alleges that someone called Principal Moffat a racial slur. Can you be more specific? I'd like to know the slur. Really? I, I, I like the generic thing that the left does. Well, there's accusations of generic slurs, uh, racial slurs. Uh, well, what was the slur? I can't share that at this time. Uh, pathetic. 
some of the white staff members undermine the chain of command and go over BIPOC leaders and communicate directly to Patrick about issues that can be solved and are solved in-house. In other words, some people will listen to someone flap their gums and then they'll say, you know, we can. I think this will fix it. And they'll go to talk to an adult about it and things get fixed. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. Uh, another complaint, Principal Moffat is held responsible for solving situations of racism in which she is a victim. I, if people are really calling her racist names, why don't she punch him in the face? She can just punch him in the face and solve the problem. Uh, Principal Moffat, oh, no, I missed that one. Staff members protesting book club focused on dismantling racial oppression, racial aggression, racial oppression. Racial porn. Where's my mind at today? I don't know. Uh, let me see. BIPOC feels uncomfortable in our building to the point that some of us are experiencing extreme anxiety because we feel unsafe at our work site. Do you really feel unsafe? To feel unsafe, you would have to worry that someone is going to literally come kick your ass, harm you cost of your job. That would be something that would make you legitimately fearful. Uh, being a little uncomfortable or not liking somebody, that's not a threat to your safety, okay? You drama queens, so shut up. Uh, our emotion and physical well-being has been impacted not only by these actions, but also by the lack of response and support from district leadership. Oh my God, I can't go on. Bring me a Kleenex now. Ah, the the oppression these people feel. It must be so horrible. Uh, BIPOC staff is being called divisive for bringing up these issues and asking for support. Sounds to me, just my opinion, I'm not there. Sounds to me like the BIPOC staff you keep talking about. Sounds like they're kind of a, kind of whiny little bitches and a pain in the ass in general. Maybe they need to be a little more attentive to their own behavior. Maybe everyone should get sit down as adults and air their grievances and be done with it and move on. And people who can't move on, there's the door. Don't let it hit you in the ass on the way out. Thanks for your time here. Uh, again, this is just what we see all the time now. Agitating, agitators, agitating by agitators. Agitators who agitate. It's very agitating. I mean... Again, it's like kindergarten. It literally is like kindergarten sometimes, isn't it? That's what it reminds me of. Little immature people, little babies that can't take it. They can't take any, quote, aggression. Now, let's look at a little history, folks. Little tennis history. You didn't see that one coming, did you? I'm an unpredictable guy, I tell you. Uh, the Insner-Mahat match. At the 2010 Wimbledon Championships, 12 years ago. Why is this match so important? <laughs> I mean, it went five sets. Men play best of five sets. Uh, the real crazy part of it, it didn't happen in the first set. Isner won that one. Who's an American? 6-4. Uh, Mahut took the second set, 6-3, then 7-6 in a tiebreaker in the third. Isner came back in the fourth to win the tiebreaker. 
and it was two sets apiece going into the fifth. At the time, the rule in tennis was if you're in the fifth set, you have to win the tiebreaker by two points. Okay. You serve. The other guy serves. You serve twice. They serve twice. And eventually, someone gets ahead by two points. They would win. And generally, you know, it, it would be 10-8, 11-9, 9-7, something like that. Well, this one ended up uh, making the match go a total of, if I can find it here, over 11 hours, this thing went on. 11 hours and five minutes, over three days. And they had to stop at a certain point because the players, I mean, they're in phenomenal physical shape, but come on. Uh, but Isner ended up winning 70 to 68. And basically, I remember being at work watching it. Neither one of these guys could break the other one's serve. So it'd be 1-0, 1-1, 2-1, 2 and on and on and on. And eventually, Isner got uh, a 69-68 lead. And I think broke service in one seventy sixty eight. Imagine playing a tennis match for eleven hours. I mean, you can go the five minutes anywhere, but eleven hours. And imagine the exhaustion these these guys felt. Incredible! It was incredible to watch. The rules changed because of it. But uh, again, I I don't think the rules should have changed. This is one of those things that's going to happen once every. How, how often? Not very often. So you should let it go, but uh, tennis changed it. And 11 hours, five minutes. Uh, over three days, a total of 183 games were played. It remains by far the longest match in tennis history, Both ma- measured both by time, duration, and also the number of games. The final set alone, where it was 70-68, was longer than the previous record for the longest match. And there's been some long matches. I mean, there have been some long matches in, in tennis history. Men's tennis especially because they play best of five sets. Here's a question, by the way. If there's no difference, men and women physically, it, why do women play best of three sets and men play best of five? Could it be that men are stronger and have more stamina by just the way things are naturally. If not, why then? Just a question and some Wimbledon history. I guess Wimbledon is uh, getting close that time of year, folks. That time of year. I guess the most prestigious tournament in tennis. I got into tennis in, I think it was 70, 77, 76, 77 is kind of when I became infatuated with all sports. Some of them dropped off. I still will watch tennis occasionally. Uh, and there's been some epic matches of late with uh, Federer and uh, Nadal and uh, the guy I hate. I just hate Nadal, sorry, and Djokovic. But those three guys have, have two of them have 20 major tournament victories. And Nadal now has a lead of 21. And I don't know if Federer will play anymore. He's the oldest of those three, but incredible players. And some incredible matches. And uh, I've watched tennis occasionally, but it was 77. The defending champion, I believe, was beyond board. And he won in 76. I was watching in 77. I kind of rooted for him for whatever reason. 
and he won. He won again in 78 and 79 and 80. And eventually he was beaten in 1981 in the finals. So he made six straight women of finals, won five straight championships. I believe Federer also at one point won five straight Wimbledon championships. But uh, And then Borg kind of did something weird. He kind of quit at the height of his talent and powers and all that. Who knows how much he would have won back in the day. He did try a comeback, but, I mean, he'd been away from the game and things had changed, and sometimes you can't go back home again, I guess. So there, my friends, is your Wimbledon, Wimbledon in tennis uh, trivia. Now, there was a Al Jazeera reporter who was killed a while back in uh, a U.N. office. And, you know, the United Nations, the useless nation, as I call them, they are so unbiased against Israel. They love Israel and America both. They don't ever kiss the behinds of terrorists and thugs and dictators and, and brutal people like that. I mean, they wouldn't do something crazy like put Saudi Arabia on a council for women's rights or anything. They would never do that, the UN. Uh, but the UN Human Rights Office said Friday that veteran Al Jazeera correspondent uh, Shireen, I'm sorry, Shireen Abdu Akla and her crew were hit by seemingly well-aimed bullets fired from the direction of Israeli troops and called for a criminal probe into her death last month. The accusation was that those brutal Israeli bastards killed a bunch of innocent Arabs like they always do, you know. The Arabs are never to blame. The Palestinians never to blame. They're pure as a, a driven snow. It's always the Israel's fault, according to the United Nations. Uh, Ablu Ekla who's a prominent, or was a prominent Palestinian-American reporter, was shot and killed on May 11th while covering an Israeli military raid in the occupied West Bank town of Jenin. Uh, Israel denies targeting her and says she may have been hit by a Palestinian gunfire. Israel says one thing, the UN says another. Call me crazy, I believe the United Nations, my friends. That's right. I believe the United Nations. How does that grab you? And of course, if you believe I believe the United Nations, you would probably believe the United Nations. I will always believe an Israeli version, Israeli version over United Nations version because Israel is a good, uh, a good country with good people that respects the rights of women, Muslims, everyone. Unlike their Palestinian counterparts, which keep electing Hamas to rule them. Yes, Hamas, the terrorist organization that targets women and babies. So, yeah, I don't believe the UN. That was a joke. I just wanted to shock you and surprise you. Uh, Israel, to me, is probably telling the truth. Or far, far closer to the unvarnished truth than the UN is. I don't trust the UN, my friends. I just don't. Now, here's a question for you, if you've ever wondered, I don't know if you have, how do you create a white supremacist? How do you do it? Well, American greatness, Alexander Zabotov, Zabotov excuse me, he has a, an explanation on how to do it. Uh, this is from five days ago. 
with every news cycle bringing us racially inflected incident, bringing us a racially inflected incident, he writes, such as a recent, a recent racial rampage in Buffalo, the media leaps at the opportunity to blame all the usual targets of elite scorn, Fox News, Tucker Carlson, the Republican Party, and Donald Trump. They didn't blame me. I guess I'm not famous enough yet. The mirror is the last place the race baiters ever look to account for the toxic race conscience uh, in all of us, white people included. <clears throat> but that is squarely where the finger of blame should be pointed. Headline notwithstanding, this isn't meant as a blueprint for actual white supremacists. I would not be writing this had the identity politickers on the woke left not already followed this step-by-step -step guide perfectly. Perhaps they didn't know any better, but they couldn't have done any worse. With that said, imagine we had the goal of taking a nation in which race relations had been steadily improving for decades and plunging it back uh, into the racial uh, maelstrom form uh, which a new wellspring of white supremacy could emerge. Here's what we would do. Step one, you dismantle the idea of race blindness. In other words, screw what Dr. Martin Luther King said, judge people by their skin color. If our goal is more white supremacy, our big obstacle is that lots of people don't dwell on race. They don't care about it. And when they do notice themselves thinking about race, they try to tamp down the thought. With several generations weaned on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s ideal of a colorblind society, we need to begin by reviving race consciousness. I would call it racial obsession syndrome. We start by seeding a bunch of articles and videos in high circulation channels telling us race blindness is, in fact, racism. We might hear a reaction like uh, this, huh? Haven't we been working hard for ages to get races to stop judging others? particularly black people based on race, and haven't we succeeded spectacularly in gradually turning this country into a place where black people can get a fair shake? Here's the response, he writes, to be delivered by a bespectacled young black graduate of university of a university racial grievance department speaking in an aggressively uh, sententious tone to make the audience feel like subhuman troglodytes. Um, actually, our race, blind, uh, race blindness has both negated and decentered the lot, the lived experience of people of color and also mastered the perpetrators of race blindness, the myriad ways in which they judge others by race. It's a form of white privilege to go around saying, I don't see race. White people can afford to ignore race. People of color don't have the luxury. Racism is their daily reality. Have you heard that a lot from the left? That last part there? It's like a, it's not daily, it's hourly. Hell, it's every 10 minutes they come out with something like that. Uh, step two, get children to see race early and often. And we know the war over critical race theory. The left wants it taught very badly. And that's what it does. It gets children to see race early and often. And to make the white kids feel guilty. And the black kids to feel like victims. Next, he writes, let's get kids while they're still young. It's never too early to learn, contends the aptly titled Embrace Race organization. Even toddlers and babies can detect race. Did you know that? What horse shit. A Boston University publication informed us, but because naive kids might not make much of a superficial skin tone differences, 
let's make clear, starting in preschool, that what they're seeing is this big uh, bugaboo we call race, indoctrinating the future influencers in elite private preschools will have the most impact. By the time they're six years old, we can start teaching white kids that they are born privileged and racist oppressors. As one fawning story about such education puts it, for white people, it means eventually coming to the understanding that they're white and what white privilege actually means to them. White people are raised to believe they have no race, that they are normal. But historically, white school can't say it wants diversity without dealing with the facts that its culture is white. Now, my friend, do you recognize that clearly as an attack against white people? Openly racist and vile and disgusting. The problem, at least if one were actually trying to make white people less racist, is that there's no particular reason to think rousing up race consciousness is going to lead people to identify less or less positively with their racial identity. Their proposition that will somehow get formerly raceless whites to identify more as white, but to identify less with their own newfound whiteness is absurd on its face. Again, it's pushing on everybody some former manner of racial obsession syndrome. I call, we've been calling that for years. You must focus all your energy on race. Everything about you is your race. Everything about everyone else is their race. It is the most vile, ass-backwards, bigoted bunch of garbage and propaganda I've ever heard in my life. And of course, something like that always comes from the left, doesn't it? The propaganda masters. Step three, invent race-based insults to target white people. Of course. Uh, We've given whites a clear racial identity. Now we have to antagonize them. How about calling them racist on the slightest pretext? No need for fine distinctions. Grandwoods of the KKK, racist. Trump supporter, just as racist. Republican, racist too. Married to or friends with a Republican, racist. Enabler. Born white, born racist. Is that clear enough? Accusations of racism make people defensive and angry. Because if someone falsely accuses you, you don't like that, do you? No one does. That's perfect for driving up white supremacy. Making a big deal of this defensive reaction, in fact, is precisely what made race scripter extraordinaire Robin D'Angelo's career. Uh, Google her. She's a, a, an absolute nutcase. Her solution pretends such defensiveness is a uniquely white reaction. Coin a still more inflammatory, inflammatory race-based insult like white fragility, and use it as a derisive label for anyone white who doesn't love being called a racist. Uh, And I urge you folks, again, American greatness from uh, June 19th. There are four more of these you need to read. It's an excellent piece. Uh, Alexander uh, Zubatov, I believe is how you pronounce the name, wrote it. And again, seven steps if you wanted to create white supremacists. This is how you do it. You antagonize whites and falsely accuse them and label them and slur them and smear them and make them defensive, then accuse them of being all racist, of course, and you just go on and on and on. There are four more steps. Uh, Spread black and white thinking about race. Uh, Number five, institute double standards in every walk of life. 
again, everything's racial. Everything. Uh, mandate diversity training. That's a huge one. And say you see racism or white supremacy literally everywhere. Go read about those. A great piece. Really good stuff, my friends. Uh, an important piece. It really is. It really, really, really is. One more story. Also from American Greatness. Thank you for your fine work at American Greatness. Uh, Christopher Roach wrote this a few days ago, June 19th, to be a specific. Uh, and what it's about is this idea that Joe Biden continues to push. This idea that we should be able to uh, remove the, the unfair barrier against suing manufacturers of firearms. Biden keeps throwing this lie out there. Uh, he continues to say things like, we should repeal the liability shield that often protects gun manufacturers from being sued for the death and destruction caused by their weapons. They're the only industry in this country that has that kind of immunity. The gun industry's special protections are outrageous, and it must end. Well, the thing is, President Mumbles... The thing is that when a firearm is manufactured by anybody, whoever manufactures it, if it operates properly as a gun is supposed to, to operate, then you cannot sue the gun makers for making a faulty product. It's like, uh, well, the idea, let's consider this one. If someone goes out and gets, you know what, face drunk and climbs in their, I don't know, their GMC truck and plows into a family and kills them. Lawsuits against the bar that served them, perhaps, if they overserve them willingly. Uh, but why would you ever say the truck maker should be sued? The truck was being driven. This drunk idiot turned left and hit the gas pedal. The truck went left and accelerated. That's what the truck's supposed to do. The truck's not a person. My gun's not a person. If you load your pistol and you put the magazine in and you rack the slide and there's a bullet in the chamber and you pull the trigger and it goes bang, guess what? The gun functioned properly. Now, there have been cases in the recent ones where a manufacturer of a certain firearm, there was a problem with it. Maybe it would, uh, if you dropped it and it was loaded, it might accidentally fire. SIG had a problem with that. Uh, and I happen to own one of those pistols. They send you the, the information, they, how to, uh, the address. You, I think it was FedEx. And ship the gun like this to us, and we will, uh, we will return it to you when it's fixed. And everything's fine. So that's being responsible, isn't it? Now, if SIG had not said anything and left the pistols out there and someone has accidentally shot, sure, they could be sued. You can still sue gun makers, but it has to be a reason. What the conservatives passed into law, President Mumbles, is this, that you couldn't just throw out reckless and idiotic lawsuits against gun makers because... Someone bought brand A of this gun and used it to commit a crime or kill people or rob people or threaten people or whatever. I mean, 
What if they use a certain type of knife to stab somebody to death? Could you find out what kind of knife it was? And they go, okay, we're going to go after this knife maker. The knife maker didn't make a faulty product. Their product was used for legal and evil purposes. That's not the fault of the manufacturer. But understand something. It's still being tried. People are still bringing suits against gun makers. And if you want to destroy the Second Amendment, that's how you do it. If you can ever get to a place in this country, God forbid, where you can sue SIG and Glock and Springfield Armory and everyone else that makes guns uh, because their products work. It would be ludicrous and idiotic, but don't ever put it past the left, my friends, because they just want to disarm you, period. And with the ruling yesterday uh, for, about the uh, New York and the concealed carry, slapping down that idiotic uh, law that made you go beg the government of New York, basically, to defend yourself. After that, uh, again, the left is going to keep pushing this button and pushing and pushing and pushing. It is a, a ludicrous idea on its face, and it should never stand up in a court of law. I never understood how anything like this would stand up. I made a product. You bought the product. You did, did something evil with the product that it... Uh, you know, it functioned properly. There was nothing wrong with the product. The problems were with your actions, the evil person's actions. And I've never understood that. A, if a product doesn't work properly and people get hurt, hell yes, they should be sued. And they will be. But if a product works properly and it's misused, how do you blame the people who made the product? That's common sense, I know. Now, I'm done, my friends. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Take care. If you're left, you just ain't right. God bless America. And go Gators. You want to become a monthly contributor to this wonderful podcast, then uh, then go to Anchor. Anchor by Spotify. Anchor.DougHagan. You will be able to find the, uh, the, uh, the means there to... Uh, to become a monthly contributor, you pick the amount of money every month. You will help to support the Delegator uh, Daily Thought. I would appreciate it. Certainly not a requirement. I don't like asking for money. But hey, if you feel like it, God bless you. Take care. And I certainly appreciate it. Uh, consider it anyway. Remember to, to uh, the Delegator blog has moved to dailygator.net's. I get a lot of people still going to the old site, dailygator.net. Look me up there. Thank you for everything. God bless you. Take care. Say your prayers. Eat your vitamins. All that fun stuff, my friends. I will talk to you, I would imagine, tomorrow unless something happens that's unforeseen. And I appreciate your patronage. God bless you. Take care. And keep fighting. Okay? There's been some good Supreme Court decisions. Let's be happy about it, but let's not pretend anything's over. The left's never going to stop fighting. Therefore, we must never stop fighting. Y'all be good. Take care.